follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad on a very, very special episode. It's not an after-school special, it's an after-something-else special. This is being recorded May 28, 2019. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? I'm, I'm doing good. good. All right. I'm, I'm are- going to take the time before we really get into anything, though. I'm going to apologize now if this episode goes how I think it's going to go, because I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of gushing about tonight's topic. <laughs> and not like Dustin's head. Gush, 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 gush. We're going to get there. We're going to get the, uh, we're, we're going to get there. This is the, <clears throat> we're recording this the Tuesday after Memorial Day of 2019, which means that this is the most important podcast this week that you can listen to after, I guess, like Wrestling Observer or something. I don't know. We're going to say it's the most important because tonight, not only are we going to talk about it, we had a man on the ground (laughs) for Double or Nothing. Now, we've got a little housekeeping to do first, and we will get our housekeeping taken care of. First thing, I want to tell you all, Whenever you're going to watch a show like Double or Nothing, you need to make sure that you can settle in. You can be comfortable for the whole thing, which is why we're an affiliate with Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. If you go over to Collar and Elbow and get a shirt, I don't know, maybe you'll get Sonny Ono's favorite shirt that has the, the red devil on it. Or you'll get Matt's wife's favorite shirt, which is the yellow lion's shirt. Or I don't know. Whatever one strikes your fancy, and you use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's number four, capital C and corners, capital P and podcast with no spaces. You get ten percent off of your order. And so, whenever you have a show that you think is yeah, well that you want to enjoy, you want to make sure you're in comfort because they make great apparel. And there's another shout out we got to get in. Matt, I know you've got a very special one for this very special person. Yeah, that would be to Epico Cologne. Um, it would be nice if Epico could escape the chains of uh, the WWE tag division and make his way over to uh, a different company where he could shine. But yes. uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Indeed. Which means that now we are going to venture forth because... At great cost to our own podcast, to the sacrifice of what we could reinvest into this podcast, or not, I don't know. We had a man on the ground, 
<clears throat> right there. Great seats. We had our own Matt on site for Double or Nothing. Matt, in five words, can you tell us, just sum up the experience? Uh, wow, you're only limiting me to five words. Um, well, I mean, this is, we're, we're trying to hype the rest of the episode, so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, really great show. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Good job, man. I also would have accepted, no, I cannot. Okay. <laughs> that that would work, yeah. That's one word. So, um, we, Matt was there for Double or Nothing, and um, we've been talking about it a little bit before we went to air. And uh, as Brad said, there's just been effusive gushing going on. Um, we're getting a little bit of a contrast going tonight because... Matt was there live, Brad watched it live, <clears throat> and I'm going to watch it tomorrow because I had some family stuff happen. Uh, <laughs> so I'll be able to ask some fresh questions. Matt and Brad will be able to to speak glowing praises and that sort of good stuff. So, um, Matt, you had mentioned that you got there early enough for, for more than just the show itself. Is that right? Yeah, so I got in Friday, um, and the show wasn't until Saturday night. Uh, on Friday, they were doing StarCast 2 events. Uh, they are actually doing it all weekend. I think they even started, like, Thursday. Um, I didn't really go and have a ton of interest. I was mainly just coming into uh, Vegas just for the show. Uh, but I did get a chance to see the press conference. For Double or Nothing, that happened Friday afternoon. Uh, that was uh, free to everyone who was there. Uh, you could just stroll in um, and see the the press conference. Um, it was pretty good. Uh, they did, ironically, like I would have thought they would have had uh, like Kenny and Jericho there, one of them, to kind of hype that match, since that was what ultimately was the main event. They didn't. They did have the Bucks though. Uh, they were kind of promoting their match with the Lucha Brothers. <clears throat> they had, uh, I thought they did a good job of kind of introducing some people that you maybe would not have uh, known unless you're like an indie fan. Um, for example, they had Sammy Guevara come out uh, with, and also they had Kip Sabian come out, and they did a weigh-in um, to kind of promote their match for the the buy-in, which was uh, broadcast live for free i think on what youtube and a few other venues i think yeah it was it was uh, i watched it on youtube i think mm -hmm. yeah i watched it on youtube yeah so they had them come out there they had a uh, they had Britt baker i think it's, uh, yeah i think it's, yeah oh, kylie, sorry no, no they did not have Britt baker it was kylie ray oh, okay they had kylie ray come out there and she has a very like like bubbly personality she was kind of like very excited to be there she reminded me like a little bit of like a bailey type that's kind of like i guess what her gimmick is um she kind of reminded me of that girl we ripped apart in the may young classic um no. i don't remember her name though a jesse elabon or something yeah. like that she kind of did some similar <laughs> things to that except she didn't suck because i actually was kind of annoyed by her backstage promo and then when she started wrestling i'm like okay like I take it back. Like she knows her shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's actually pretty good. Because um, there was there was some shit like that her and Britt Baker were doing during that match that just was like shaming like the WWE women's division. No, she, they, she definitely had polish. Um, so she when she she came out there and there was a cute thing where I guess a guy in the crowd uh, proposed to his girlfriend. So she kind of helped facilitate that. I mean, it wasn't anything like it was kind of weird, <laughs> but it, it worked. It worked in the sense that it's like it's like this fun little thing that they did for the for the show for the press conference. Um, I thought the most interesting thing at the press conference was they each had Cody and Dustin give speeches hyping the match um, separately. Uh, they had Cody come out with Brandy, and he was basically just kind of giving an overview of like you know thanking people for coming, hyping up how this is kind of just the beginning of AEW. All of that, they did kind of like some boilerplate stuff. They talked about some of the accomplishments the show did. For example, like Brandy was talking about how this was one of the first, if not the first, kind of pro wrestling shows that was meant to be very all-inclusive. And she's specifically talking about individuals who have like sensory issues. Yeah, Um, I remember that in the promo. Yeah. um, The the Culture City, I think, is the company they've partnered with. Uh, I imagine it's for individuals who maybe have like autism spectrum disorders or something like that, or anxiety disorders where they're, <clears throat> they have sensory, some sort of sensory issues. And I don't know how they actually make uh, a show that had pyro and everything like that. <laughs> um, I was kind of wondering that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, I think they have some sort of combination of technology or what have you. Um, but it was things like that. It was just kind of hyping up that sort of thing. Recently, I cut you off, Brad, I think. Oh no, I, I might have made a noise. I, I, I didn't have anything to add. Okay. Um, the most interesting part of the press conference was that Dustin came out and he gave this whole promo about uh, <clears throat> how Cody has said, you know, well, he doesn't. And there, he was there basically referencing the different promos that they had done on like YouTube or being the elite, hyping this match. Uh, and he was kind of saying, you know, you know, Cody says you know she's been treating me like an asshole so you know i'm really gonna like prove to him that the attitude era isn't dead etc cetera, etc cetera. <clears throat> and then and for some uh for some really cheap heat but really effective one he took his shirt off because he had like a button down shirt on and he had a, a t-shirt on that said dusty's favorite and it's like oh <laughs> and the current I was like, oh, it was like intense. It was like pretty. Uh, they did a really, really good job of of hyping that match over all others. Which, uh, in retrospect, now that was a wise decision because that's the match that, out of all the show, which there was a lot to talk about with the show, that's the match that a lot of people are really buzzing about, and uh, with good reason. It 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 kind the reaction Dustin got kind of throughout the whole thing was surprising. I thought because he really got treated like he was a big deal. Uh, I think part of that is because right now, and I hope they can grow their audience. Right now, AEW clearly has a lot of <clears throat> really hardcore wrestling fans and fans who have become, I think, with varying degrees of good reasons have become pretty like uh, disenchanted mm-hmm. with what the wwe and what with mainstream wrestling has kind of become not even just wwe i mean of honor nowadays and ring of honor 
at least prior to AEW's construction, their creation a few months ago, I, you could you could make the argument that Ring of Honor was like the number two promotion at least in the United States. The thing that shocked me though about this show is I had friends and people I know that have been WWE fans in the past, but have never shown even like that much interest in indie wrestling that were mm-hmm. texting me about this show that paid like the $50 themselves to watch the show. I was absolutely just shocked that it like some of the people I knew that shelled out 50 bucks for this. Yeah. I think, I think even some of our like mutual friends, um, I don't know if they watched the show, but there was a high degree of interest. Like I think our friend Dan, I don't know if he got the show, but he was definitely talking about he it. Went and to he's a friend's house who... and watched it. Okay. There you go. And yeah. he's someone who doesn't really watch a lot of indie stuff. He mostly just watches WWE because, you know, he's like a working guy. Like he has three kids. Like he's pretty busy. Like he doesn't have time to be tracking down a ton of, uh, you know, he can't necessarily, he's not necessarily going to be watching like Joey Janelle's spring break. Like he doesn't necessarily have the time for that, but yeah, he was, he, it, this sparked his interest. So there you go. Like he, he found a friend who was going to get it, went over there and watched it. Mm-hmm. And he's someone who, again, he primarily watches WWE. I will say it was weird dealing with something that was a legitimate like pay-per-view because I haven't done that in a long like time. That's true. I guess we're kind of been spoiled with like the network because it's all $10 and it just, you know, it's going to, you know, it's going to air. You just load up the app. Well, even like, even like fight TV, you just, you just pay your 10 or 15 or even like 30 or 40 dollars in some cases and then it just you're ready to go yeah uh so i will say this they as a behind the scenes note so obviously like starcast while it doesn't it's not necessarily i think 100 percent associated with aew or tied to aew um <clears throat> clearly there's a, a strong association they were selling aew merchandise uh, at at Starcast Two, uh, and they also they had the the show was taking place in the MGM Grand, and they had like a little pop up store uh, at the MGM Grand for AEW merchandise. Uh, I went there, and they were already selling out of stuff, and they were selling out of stuff at Starcast. And live on the show, they burned through like all of their merch. The line was insane to get merch, and I actually there was a. There was a T-shirt or two I actually wanted, so I was I, I decided not to brave the line. When the line finally died down, I went up there and they were sold out of all but like two shirts, and mm. uh, I think it was only like two XL sizes, so it was a little oh, too big sucks. for me. But but it, for uh, for a company that has got knocked for being quote just a T-shirt company, um, <laughs> they were <laughs> they were they were wildly successful at selling T-shirts, yeah, uh, amongst other things. Yeah, they got they got. I mean, on top of the 50 bucks I spent on the show, they got like $80 out of me for t-shirts. Yeah. I mean, because, they have some good shirts. Because the, the WWE could really learn like a lot from their shirts because I was going through it afterwards. Like after the show, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a couple shirts. And um, yeah. I was looking and I'm struggling with it. And so I asked my wife, I'm like, what are these shirts do you like? And she's looking through it and she's like, well, I want these too. Like, so... I ended up getting two shirts for me, and I got a shirt for her. So that's that's the power of their t-shirts. Yeah, we also have to bear in mind really good ones. the brain. 
taught us that free t-shirts are the most powerful force in the universe. And and the thing is, honestly, like I could see buying a couple of those. Like even my wife had like trouble deciding on one because because there were some nice, like the, like the Jungle Boy one. The Jungle Boy shirt's really nice. Yeah, they. I mean, they. Whoever's designing their stuff is doing a pretty good job. Yeah. So that was just kind of a behind the scenes thing. Like people are obviously again, it's a. It's a it's a crowd that was going to this that's devoted at least to like good wrestling and indie wrestling, uh, and probably people who were just really curious. Maybe they wanted to be there because it's yeah, it's it's the first pay per view or first event for officially for the company. I mean, yeah, all in. Technically, they didn't exist at that point, but the seeds were there. That's kind of was like the the catalyst for all of this. So you have a really devoted crowd, but all the same, like people were legit, really like hot for the show and super excited. And I mean, there were tons of people there who had already yeah. they had already bought their AEW stuff. And the, I would say there's only really one segment that bombed. And, okay. Um. The 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 Super Smash Brothers segment bombed live, but uh, On that was the review. Yeah. Um, I just kind of didn't understand that, but that's just because I'm not, I'm not as well uh, uh, versed or knowledgeable about the Super Smash Brothers. I so mean, I think it, I think cool, that's that but... that might be why because even someone like me who pays attention to a lot of stuff, like I didn't really know who those guys were. I did, but the problem is I know them when they were like a lot younger and a lot smaller. Okay. <laughs> so they did Chikara like way back in the day. Their name makes them sound like a Chikara thing. Hmm. Okay. So let's let's hit this. Let's. So um, I guess we'll just pick this up from the buy-in pre-show. Okay. So first up, we had. Did the battle royal have a gimmick name? Do you remember? Yeah, it was. I uh, the casino, casino battle, battle royal. Yeah. So they they yeah. did kind of a. I thought they did kind of an interesting little takeoff on this. They would have five guys come out at intervals of. In intervals it was supposed of to be, five. It's supposed to be three. It's supposed to be three. Yeah. Yeah. It's so supposed to be it, three minutes. It was kind of um, it was kind of Royal Rumble style, but it was five guys come out every three minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was smart based on, because. Like, sweets. Mm-hmm. And I think it was smart too because that helped cluster guys together, so you didn't not know someone. Yeah. So let me look. I'm trying to look at who was in it. So. So the, uh, the first the first five guys were Dustin Thomas, who uh, I guess became has had some prominence because he was in the he was on Joe and Janelle's Spring Break. Yeah, that's the that's the the guy who has legit no legs <laughs> um, from like the knee down, right? Right. And I mean, maybe not even from the knee up. Like he he doesn't seem like he has much. There. Okay. Yeah, and he he springboard splash someone on this, I think. Uh, I think there was some spot like that. Yeah. And then, and then Brandon Cutler came out with them. You know, I'm not as familiar with him. Um, where is he based from? Where he, where is, is he a PWG guy? Who? Uh, Cutler. Uh, I don't, I've, I know the name, but I don't, I know the Bucks trained him, but I don't think I've ever seen him before. 
Yeah, I, I, I wasn't really knowledgeable about him, but he got a big reaction coming out. I think he's on being the elite, maybe. Mm, okay. I'm looking at his match results, and it's not really companies like that I would... Oh, no, he's done some PWG. Okay. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I I was thinking. Um, he got a big reaction, so they could have something with him. He, but he seems a little... He seems a little green, but... No, I say that he could be, he could have been wrestling for like ten years for all I know. It looks <laughs> like he wrestled in like the like around two thousand nine, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. Disappeared for seven years and came back last year. Mm, okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, he came out. Uh, there were Sunny Days, who I don't really know about, but was he like the big, big dude with like the face paint? Yes, I actually never, I liked him. him. I never heard of he him, but I, I liked I just, him. Uh, it was then. It was it was Michael Nakazawa who. Oh <laughs> yes, we have to we have to talk about him. I, yeah, I did do. manage to. The only thing I got to watch, I got to watch the the pre-show, the battle royal on the pre-show, and Takazawa was the for the first part of the match. He was the standout character because his gimmick was not. It was it was. Silly, but it was also excellent at the same time. Are you talking about the baby oil spot? Yes. Yeah. So Sunny Days gets um, Nakazawa in. Uh, he's holding him like around the chest. He's basically doing like a, a bear hug, but uh, reversed. So he his like arms were around Nakazawa's chest, but Nakazawa was like facing away from him. And Nakazawa just pulls out like a bottle of baby oil from his trunks and like just lathers himself he just sprays yeah. himself with baby oil yeah and he wriggles out of the bear hug so, and it got a big pop live so um i guess he tweeted later that mike tyson was backstage for the show and thought that was the funniest shit ever yeah uh which i mean that's also kind of awesome just as a side it's like well michael mike tyson was watching the show there in the back yeah and um, they did a they did, I don't know where it was on. Someone posted a video they did with Michael Nakazawa after the show, where the guy he's wrestling in on the next show, mm-hmm. like walked up to him while he was sitting backstage, is like "Good job, loser!" and he goes to walk away, and Michael Nakazawa sprays the baby oil like in front of him, and the guy falls on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Nakazawa has a ton of personality, and I mean, I don't think. I don't think anyone's thinking that going forward he's going to be, you know, world title title contender. But no, there's no, but a... he would be perfect for like a hardcore title or like some like stupid like comedy gimmick because I had never seen much of him. But like coming out of the show, I'm like I love this guy. He was, I think, a DDT guy. I feel yeah, like I I've seen so. some of his matches, but a long time ago. I mean. So we can talk about it later on the podcast, but there are part of the reason why I have so many thoughts about the show is that you can clearly see that there are guys who are associated with this promotion or signed to contracts with this promotion that if they really want to be a successful like number two company, part, what part of what they need is they need, I mean, for lack of a better word, they need characters, and they have several guys on here who 
I think they could actually succeed and do something with because they they are unique characters and they're interesting and you want to see more of them. And Nakazawa is like a good example. He's someone that they could do like hardcore stuff with. He does comedy like exceptionally well. So that's someone that is over with the fans. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I thought they did a really good job throughout the show of, of you had the, all these guys you'd never seen before, but they're really good at, at going to you on the show and the way they book things is saying that guy, that guy right there you're looking at, like we are going to push that guy. You need to pay attention to him. They did an excellent job with certain individuals that, it, and I just I made a mental note and I just like I give them all the applause in the world because they did do that. There were guys that they clearly highlighted and it started with this battle royal. There are clearly guys. It's like you need to pay attention to this guy because this guy is going to be, be a big deal for us going forward. Mm-hmm. And some of the guys that they've chosen, I think, was exceptionally smart idea because they again, they're unique and I think they could get over and they could make them money. And, and you know who I'm going to tell you coming out of this show who they have that is that if they do it right, he could be huge as Jungle Boy. I agree. Uh, for those who don't know, we've talked about him before. I think Jungle Boy is uh, legit Luke the Perry, son, son of Luke Perry. Yeah. Uh, God rest his soul. But uh, I guess Luke Perry was always like a huge wrestling fan growing up. Yeah. His, like consistently would go to the shows and Jungle Boy um got into the business but he's improved a ton in the last year yeah brian alvarez worked a match with him and said like yeah he's not as green as you'd think he is i mean jungle boy had a match with um janela at spring break that guy was pretty good good. yeah i haven't seen it yet but i've I've heard good reviews about it i um one of one of the biggest standouts for me in this in the battle royal was pretty clear it was MJF because that guy was not only did he have he seemed to exude more personality than a lot of other guys in the match mm-hmm. but he was able to convey his heelishness so well um, I believe one of our one of our uh, mutual friends had said something to the effect of, "I went into this not knowing anybody. I came out of it wanting to punch MJF in the face. Like he's not only is he a good heel, he is an outstanding heel. Yeah, MJF is Maxwell <laughs> Jacob Friedman. Uh, he's done stuff with MLW before. Uh, um, I think he also CZW. did stuff. Yes, yeah, CZW. He is super young." He's only 23 years old and just turned 23. And the dude he is, has. I'm go ahead, Matt. I'll, go ahead and finish. No, sorry to cut. Sorry to like interrupt you, but That's he right. is. He is tremendously talented, and he's a guy who they they clearly are kind of they want to position him as a top heel. Yeah, and he it doesn't even. I'm not even. Be, I'm at the point now, even just from what I've seen, I'm not like no, it's too early. Like I think he he's honestly ready like he has the charisma he has the personality um he's good in the ring i haven't seen as much of him as i want to but i think he he clearly could be a major talent for them going forward Mm -hmm. what are you gonna say chad um he has a natural way of carrying himself that's the thing there are some guys who whenever you're 
you know, whenever you're you're having a match or something, some guys are very natural at how they move. Some guys are very natural <clears throat> in execution. He he's like the guy that got me into the business. He could walk into a room and piss you off doing that. Like he knew very well what he was doing and his just the way he walked, you'd look at it and you'd be like, You rank bastard. God, you're gonna walk into a room like that. Who th- who do you think you are? And then you know, he starts doing his other heel work and you're just like and I I was torn between this God, he's a really good heel and will someone kick that guy in the balls, please? You know like, what? He, that's how he, good of a heel he was. I, he, I couldn't even appreciate it. I wanted to see him go down so hard. You know where he would really fit in, and like he would, you could just insert him into this movie, and you wouldn't think anything of it. Is him being in the evil fraternity in Animal House? <laughs> he does have that kind of vibe. He's he's a little like he's a, kind of like the '80s uh, movie villain, where he's like this rich, stuck-up asshole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. To, yeah. You have to defeat him in the competition to save. He'd have like the sweater around his like shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the rec center is going to close unless you can beat him at a skiing competition. <laughs> yes, <something> like that. <laughs> I also thought. Um, I also thought in this match that Luchasaurus really stood out in a good way. Oh yeah. Luchasaurus is in this, and I have not seen a ton of him, ton of his stuff. I know he's done some stuff with Ring of Honor. Um, I guess he was he, on a season of Big Brother, is what I heard. But I don't watch Big Brother, so that means nothing to me. Really? Yeah. Dude had like okay. Brad told me that he's apparently um, about I don't know six five three twenty. The, no, two thirty. Two thirty. Yeah. <laughs> on it. Um, God, I feel fat now. To watch him, he did such a good job working in style. I've seen him do stuff, uh, a couple of his matches, and I, I guess I just never paid attention, or I don't know what. I don't know who he's fighting. I can't remember. Um, but I didn't think he was that big, but in the ring, he looked big. because he, he is roughly the same size as Billy Gunn, and Billy Gunn for those who don't know, Billy Gunn's also like 6'5", and he's deceptively huge. Like, if you see right. him in person, he is a big guy. Yeah. And Luchasaurus was that big. So That's you know what, what you I know hear. Shocked me? He is a legit 6'5". Yeah. Speaking of Billy Gunn, it really shocked me, um, his involvement in this match. Like, I really enjoyed him in this match. You know, I, I did too, because he was there in the role of, like, he's a veteran, so he's adding some credibility to it. But he knew what his position was. He was to go in there, kind of like do some stuff. But he didn't even have, he didn't even eliminate anyone. He uh, he was just there uh, kind of to add some credibility to it and didn't overshine anyone. Uh, it was like the, the kind of classic traditional, like adding a veteran to stuff to just make it value added, but not yeah. take yeah. away from the younger guys. Yeah. So I, uh, I, have a, I have a question being there live. Were you mm-hmm. shocked how over the 10 thing was? Uh, a little bit. Uh, Sean Spears, formerly known as Ty Dillinger, was there, and he was super over, like really, really over. When he came out, the crowd and, and like popped. And a lot of the stuff he was doing, the crowd popped for. 
My, my favorite my favorite commentary thing I just remembered is when he did the 10 thing to MJF that gave him the finger Excalibur on commentary like, well, that's an 11. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, man. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Well, apparently he he was not signed to a deal. He just he was he came in for the match. But now they're going to sign him to a deal. I would. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't push him like to the world title or anything, but like as like a lower card act. I mean, I was shocked. Like I knew he'd get a reaction, but like that crowd was all about him. I think he's talented enough that if they have, if they have some sort of secondary title, which I imagine they probably would be, because they they apparently want to keep, uh, they want to make this, you know, if they I think. There's some, there was some commentary about how they want to present this as, quote unquote, like legit, like a real sport. Uh, I, there's kind of been some like back and forth amongst fans as to what that means. I personally kind of feel that when they say that, they're kind of looking more towards like the New Japan or just a Japanese model, because generally, like the Japanese kind of treat their wrestling as legit like it's actual mm-hmm. real sporting competition yeah. and to me that's all what they mean by that when they say wins and losses matter like if you look at new japan if you follow new japan and watch their shows pretty regularly like wins and losses matter it's not like wwe where you'll lose to a guy and then like or how many times did roman like lose a championship match and then like literally like a week later it's like well you have the next shot at the championship it's like no yeah. They build guys carefully up to face other guys. By but I think in- I think on this they um, mm-hmm. you can kind of tell like they did a very good job of the big matches. You know where the winner's going and where the loser's going. Yeah. But if they do a, a secondary title, I think that's that's clearly something that like Sean Spears could could really do well in. He could kind of challenge yeah. for that. He he's he could be a really solid mid card act for them and just have good matches with people yeah i also like tommy dreamer's involvement and he got a huge pop for um bringing weapons into the ring yeah yeah wow did his poor balls die at the hands of jimmy havoc that's i was gonna say that damn well better have been a gimmick shot because tommy dreamer should have whipped the fire out of him if that was i don't don't know you dreamer would be like go like do it man just do it Oh yeah, oh, he might, and then it, it, I would hope it'd be like you. You can do it. I'm gonna whip you afterwards, but you go ahead and do it. So, so to go into this a little more, so my wife had two favorite spots from this uh, match that I want to talk about. The first one is um, Ace Romero pouncing poor Marco's stunt out of the <laughs> ring. Oh yeah. For those who know, Ace Romero is a really big dude. Um, and Marco's stunt is about five. Two. I saw him in person. Yeah, I saw him in person at Starcast. He is a small, small, small man, <laughs> and he looks like a twelve-year-old boy. Wait, yeah. was that Ace? Was that AC Baby? Or am I thinking of somebody else? That like no. really big dude. No, it was Ace Romero. Okay. All right. So I've got him mixed up then. That, okay. That pounce was amazing. I mean, he went. I mean, he flew too. He looked like he died. <laughs> yeah. So then my I my was... wife's other favorite spot was um, mm-hmm. 
Sunny Kiss getting up on the turnbuckle and getting his legs around Tommy Dreamer's neck and then repeatedly ramming his face into his ass. Yeah. You you know, yeah, Dreamer doesn't care. He'll do that spot. He's like, you know, whatever. And uh, my, my, it was a, it was a, it looked really bad, uh, but I liked the way Penelope Ford sold, like, Janela going through the table, like, her just screaming bloody murder. What did you cut out? Oh, I was going to say, um. Yeah, we lost you for a minute. Yeah, it cut out on me. Sorry about that. Um, I was going to say, it looked really bad, but the way Penelope P. Ford screamed bloody murder when Janela went through the table. Oh, yeah, that table spot was scary looking. I couldn't see it from my vantage point because I was on the other side of the the ring, but yeah. I just saw him get dumped. He, got, uh, he but, went in a little low, I think. Yeah. He he landed real high on his back. He uh he landed pretty close uh to the observers, Brian Alvarez, because mm-hmm. Brian was in the front row. Um, I actually, uh, this is like a shameless plug or name drop. I got to hang out a little bit with Brian over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and actually got to saw Brian Russell. He was, he, he wrestled a show Friday afternoon. Okay. Um, and Brian's just like, he really is just like a, a, a super nice guy. Um, he's actually a decent wrestler too. Yeah, he is pretty good. He had, uh, this is like a, we're talking about double or nothing, but he had a really interesting match. Um, cause, uh, actually one of our friends was the booker for the, he was the, um, promoter for the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it started off with, uh, Brian versus Logan stunt, Marco's brother, because Brian has been doing a kind of indie feud with Marco stunt and they're actually going to be wrestling each other. I think in a week, like this upcoming Saturday, I think they're, they're wrestling. Uh, but he wrestled Logan stunt and the referee was terrible because oh. Brian basically like did a pillman <clears throat> job on Logan stunt and then put him on a figure four and beat him and then kept the figure four on for heel heat. Mm-hmm. Heel in the feud, and the ref just did nothing. And Brian literally had to slap the guy in the face, and it's like, do something. Yeah. And the ref, the left ran to the back. <laughs> oh my gosh! He didn't. He didn't take the hint that he should have disqualified or reversed the decision. Okay, uh, there. Listen, as bad as that is, that is not the. I, I've been in the ring with a worse ref. Mm. At some point, I'll have to tell you guys a story, but. Uh, yeah. Speaking of referees, um, Aubrey Edwards, who was um, who did a couple of matches on this, was fucking outstanding. The female ref? Yeah. Yeah. Because when that timekeeper, because she had you like this uh, during the Joshi match, the timekeeper fucked up and rang the bell, and she literally yelled at him, "No, it was two. It was two. Yeah, that's something that, um, at least on the indie scene, a lot of guys seem to forget is the fact that uh, you don't, out there in front of everybody, oddly enough, the ref is in charge if the ref decides to be in charge. And so you you listen to the ref out there, and if the ref throws the match out, the match is thrown out. If the ref says it was two, then it was two. And it does not matter. You... You go with it. And in from the case that you're saying, it sounds like she very clearly took control and she was like, Nope, not having this happen. Well, it it was um also Aja Kong like ran out and like menaced the guy afterwards. Oh yeah. 
And just, this is what Brian Alvarez are saying. And Justin Roberts was like, no, I didn't do it. Like it was him. It was him. <laughs> but um, that was something they did a really good job of is actually putting their refs over and giving them like time. Yeah. So like I came out of that show. I knew every referee's name. It actually made John Moxley like DDT in the ref because they had like established that he was a human being like worthy of. You don't right. notice he's he's part of what's going on. He's not a prop. And they pick. They did a good job of picking referees with very distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. Like I like during the best friends tag, like how Bryce Remsburg was really on their asses about actually making tags. Yeah, it's it's easy to just be like, oh, I guess there was a tag. I heard something because that's supposed to be the heel spot. But well, no, and the, there was one part where they actually made a tag. He saw and he passively aggressively said to all of them, like, S- like, good, that was act- an actual tag. <laughs> yeah, having having a ref who's willing to to throw their weight around is nice. Yeah. So then I this one also had the um, amazing Orange Cassidy appearance. <laughs> yes, there was there was two more spots that I really wanted to talk about uh, in, in this battle royal, and uh, that was one of them. <laughs> the Orange Cassidy spot was tremendous. Could you see Jungle Boy during this? I wasn't paying attention. I was just paying attention to Orange, so I didn't get to see those those reactions. So if um if you watch the video back, you have to watch Jungle Boy in the corner because he like starts covering his face in horror as yeah. Orange Cassidy's kicking him. Uh-huh. He starts selling what Cassidy is doing to somebody else in the back. And and that was a lot of fun. That kip up with his hands in his pockets crazy though. I think he got eliminated with his hands in his pockets. He had yeah. his hands out for the elimination, then he put okay. him back in. So uh, Shane, I, is that yeah. your first um exposure to him? That was my first uh, live exposure to Orange Cassidy, yes. So it was kind of a. I was like, okay, wow, that's. He just doesn't care, does he? Like I'd seen clips, but I hadn't seen him like mosey his way out and do anything before. You know who? Uh, you know whose first exposure to Orange Cassidy that was? That was our good buddy Damien, who I was sitting was with. It? Now, oh. He was like, oh, I've never, se- I've never seen Orange Cassidy. I'm like, oh boy, you're in for a treat. Uh, and Orange wasn't even in the, the match that much, but Damien no, did get a big wasn't. kick out of it. He did yeah. get to the ring pretty fast, though. Yeah. for, for Fast for Orange Cassidy. Well, like in the clusterfuck last year, it took him like 25 minutes to get to mm-hmm. the ring. <laughs> I wonder if the dude, like, if he ever cracks himself up doing that stuff. Because I have to admit, if I was if I was doing something like that, I'd have a hard time not laughing at myself. That dude is really good at keeping kayfabe because he was at um he was at Starcast and I yeah. saw him. I saw his table and he's just literally like sitting there, like slumped in his chair, like just looking with his glasses on, of course, just looking so, bored out of his mind. Like I don't want to be here. Does he? Please tell please tell me he has no merch either. That oh, would be no, 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 no. There's nothing there. <laughs> I, I don't even know if you can get an autograph or a photo with him. He's just sitting there. But there's no merch. I have I have his autograph, but it's not an Orange Cassidy autograph. It is an ant autograph. Fire ant, yeah. Yeah. 
so I want to I want to clarify something, and because I know we've mentioned him on air before, but for oh, incidentally, news just popped up while we were talking. AEW signed Luchasaurus. Yes, uh, I was hoping they would because, like I said, there were several guys that came off like a star, but I thought Luchasaurus looked like I was watching that guy, and I'm like, this guy could be like a massive, yeah, massive star. So shout out to Justin out there. I just saw him share that. So um, that's a good, to, that's a good hiring. Yeah. To clarify, I need a Luchasaurus shirt now. Just like Perf. they need Does to do like one? no, but they need to do like an AEW like Jurassic Park like Luchasaurus one. Oh, like him leaned in leaned in the logo with his mouth open kind of thing. Yes, <laughs> I would be all about that. All right, for for those out there who have would have even less exposure to Orange Cassidy than I do is Orange Cassidy kind of like uh, like obviously he's got his gimmick but is there a point is there like a trigger when he fires up and goes or does he just if you knock his glasses off if you knock his yeah. glasses off he gets fired up yeah if you knock his glasses off and he doesn't have a spare readily available then <laughs> He basically the only way I can describe it is he he hulks up. He he does like the Hogan like hulk up. Okay. And then he'll just like he'll kick into high gear and just start busting out moves and it's okay. uh, it's really funny. Okay, yeah. cool. Cool. I wanted to double check, but it, it's <laughs> God, so, I wish I would have thought of that. So Matt, I think I heard a lone woo um on the TV when Glacier came out and I assumed that was you. <laughs> I was not, but I was excited for. Dang on it! You should have lied to us. Who did he eliminate? He actually got an elimination too. Um, uh, Sunny Ray, wasn't it? Because he, he Oh, Sunny Days. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Sunny Days, not Sunny Ray. Uh, yeah. yeah, he. I didn't know Glacier used Poison Mist, but he ice sprayed. He ice sprayed him up on the top of the turnbuckle a couple of times, and then just pushed him off. Mm. Yeah, so he I, looked like he was in really good shape, but he always does when he does these things. Yeah, he's clearly yeah. older. Uh, he doesn't look like he did in the initial run as Glacier, which we can't fault him for. But he looked to be in very good shape. I mean, did he's he... like he's like in his mid fifties. If you saw him like, like walking down the street, you just think he'd be like some dude's dad, like a teenager's <laughs> dad. Yeah, like going to play golf after uh, <laughs> you know football games or something. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, he looked like he could handle himself. He was under, it was entertaining seeing Glacier there. Yeah. Did he do Starcast? Uh yeah, he was actually at Starcast. I think he was like selling merch and stuff. Oh, I would have bought merch from him. His first he did a job to um the Great Muda in nineteen eighty nine on World Championship Wrestling. I would have walked right up to him, extended my hand and said, Sir, you made my blood run cold. <laughs> and I would no irony at all. Dead serious. I know. Uh, I know it was a Mortal Kombat ripoff, but I enjoyed that gimmick and that storyline so much. So, what was your what was your other favorite spot, Max? I think you had another one. So they had again one of the things that I really loved about the show in general, but also this specifically for this uh, battle royal is that they clearly had people that you knew they're going to push, like uh, Jungle Boy got. A good reaction. Uh, Janela did too. Um, Sean Spears, obviously. Uh, MJF, obviously, especially with what happened later on that night. Um, mm-hmm. 
But Jimmy Havoc, actually, clearly that's a guy that they're positioning to get a push or make him someone who is important and someone that they want you to watch. Um, and I like that, not only because I think he is a good wrestler, um, but I think he is very unique. I think he has a really unique personality. He can talk. Like He's, he's clearly someone who could be a standout for them. Um, and he was obviously staple gunning people left and right. Yeah. Um, but the spot where there's one point where Joey Janela kisses game because he's basically just like a degenerate dirt bag. He sits <laughs> down in the middle of the ring and lights a. Jimmy Havoc comes up to him, yanks his cigarette out of his hand, and while it's still lit, staple guns the, the lit cigarette to Joey Janela's forehead. And it got a big reaction out of the crowd. They and didn't Joey get a good shot of it on TV, sadly. They got oh, a they got a sad. good shot of the follow up. That's really sad because Janela's facial expressions were on point. They were perfect. He was just in horror and like terrified. They got a shot of the follow up, and he was he was appropriately horrified. And how weird is it that that we're in a timeline where being in the ring and lighting a cigarette gets you heel heat? You know? Yeah. Those of us that grew up before the smoking well, that, crusades. That, Remember, remember the giant was doing it in WCW, and P- I loved and that. Disco Inferno told him it would stun his growth. Yes, don't you know those things will stunt your growth? And the uh, and the giant kind of looks at him, and you heard maybe like the whole arena got quiet, and maybe like you heard like five people just dying laughing, because it was an excellent joke. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also thought Pillman Jr. got a pretty good reaction, but they didn't do much with him because he's not signed. Yeah, that's true. So he, then, he's looking a lot like his father, by the way. The beach, the beach blonde pair was not doing it for me, though. Mm. So then the the final man is Adam Page, whose match was canceled. Um, they get down to the end. MJF uh, pretty much sneaks back in and almost eliminates him. And then Page eliminates him to get the title shot at the winner of Chris Jericho and Omega. And um, I thought this was a, I thought this was a fun battle royal. My wife actually enjoyed it and commented during this that she liked all the weird and colorful characters, and it didn't feel like their roster did not feel samey like the WWE does. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. You've got a lot of different stuff in there, which is nice. Yeah. So then up next we had Kip Sabian and Sammy Guevara. You know, this match really didn't do a lot for me. It was okay. I didn't really care that much. I like Sammy Guevara, though. Yeah, I like him, too. Um, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, it, it was good match. It was technically a good match, but it didn't really wow me. I, I will say this was my first exposure to Aubrey Edwards, and she... She really emoted great. Like, at some of the big moves, like, she would visibly, like, wince behind them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it when refs do that, because it shows that they're invested in what's going on. And she just, I mean, like, between the couple matches, I don't know how you felt about her, Matt, but she was just, like, a machine. Like, she just... Like, if there was as close to, like, a perfect, like, mechanical referee as I've ever seen, I think it's her. No, I thought she was very good. I have no complaints about how, the performance that she did. And I think, like you said, uh, the way she handled the Josie match uh, was excellent. Someone posted a video. I guess there was a match where 
she was refing and Ray Phoenix decided the best way to break up a pinfall was to kick her right in the head and she sold that like she was dead. Hmm. That so, makes sense. So then after this we get we came out they came out and did like a short promo. Um the the bit about inflating the numbers was funny. On the TVN Cody got cut off as they went into the actual show. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so I don't I don't know if you could tell like on in it live that he got cut off or not, but he No. No. So then we go into the main show. They do a very terrible uh, national anthem. <laughs> like they were like off sync with each other. It was weird. Yeah, that's always. Ooh. So they do the the intro, and we get Jr. Um, welcoming us to the show. Mm-hmm. He was actually something I was dreading with this, and I was shocked. Like Jr. really brought it for this show. That's excellent because I, I wasn't able to hear the commentary live, so I had no idea how it was like. But I love hearing that. I know Alvarez said he got like a massive pop when he came out. There's also, um, <clears throat> for what it's worth, there is um, the stories abound about how uh, the current WWE announcers have Vince in their ear constantly. So to let Jr. go out there and be Jr. shows why he's been so revered for so long. Yeah, he. I mean, he he did really great. So then we kick this show off with the SCU defeating the Strong Hearts, which is uh, Shima, L. Lindemann, and T Hawk. Uh, Matt, what did you think of this live? Uh, I guess. For me, it wasn't the first match, but I guess technically it was the first match of the actual pay-per-view yeah. for those who are actually paying for it. Uh, tremendous. Loved it. I, I think, like their little gimmick like where they're like, this is the worst town I've ever been to. Yeah, they've been doing that for a while. Uh, and actually, when I watched that, like they were entertaining in Ring of Honor. They actually were. They were a really good act there. But seeing them now in AEW, again, I kept going back in my mind over and over again with the show. If you're looking forward into what AEW wants to do, if they want to become like a legit second promotion, and I hate to bring up like the specter of WCW, but I'm going to do that just because WCW was at one point they beat the WWE, of course, but they were a legit company. They were a legit like secondary company that was doing good ratings and was out there making money. Uh, if they want to try and position themselves in that way as like a big league promotion, then they're doing a lot of things, which I think could get them to that point. And one of the things that I think is like having guys like SCU because they are as an act, they're just great. I I thought like, I thought going along with what you said though, like involvement from like, um, OEW, like those guys were great. That's another thing I noticed like that. I loved it. I loved it. Like they, I'm thinking in my mind, because again, like what, what did WCW do that was super successful for them? They had like luchadors come in and basically put on fantastic matches. Even if you didn't care about, you know, like the main event scene, you didn't care about like Hogan versus whoever mm-hmm. Hogan versus like Luger. Like, you know, you're going to watch, you're going to watch uh, nitro or thunder. 
you're going to see mm-hmm. some awesome matches with some dudes from AAA or CMLL, some luchadors that they hired. Or you're going to see like an awesome Eddie Rey Mysterio match, a great match with like Jericho or Dean Malenko. Like really talented guys on the undercard. Uh, and I see them making moves to get those type of pieces that kind of can be bedrocks despite whatever is going on in the upper card. I think AEW has tremendous upside with their upper card, but we can talk about that a little later. Like having guys like SoCal uncensored on there as just, they're tremendously talented. Crowd. And make a super open. Yeah. And then pairing that with. I can still go. And the guys he's working with like T-Hawk and Linda. Ups to them and if they if they want to include Joshi thing which I think that's what they're going to do um, given some of the choice made like uh, that's only going to help any women's division it's anyway love the match <laughs> long story short I thought the match was like great perfect like hot opener I was gonna say, wait, what, what, can, what can we say to follow up on that? You know, well, I, I think what was really great about it was they they did a really good match, but they reined it in so they didn't set the bar too high for everyone else to follow them. That's mm-hmm. a good skill to have. That's really important. So that up next, uh, we have the women's three way, which was Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and Kylie Ray. Brandy Rhodes comes out and she kind of acts like she's going to um, wrestle in the match because she has her gear on. And then yep. she says she doesn't want a good match. She wants an awesome match, which music hits and awesome Kong comes out to like almost like a, I mean, to honestly, like a superstar ovation. Ov- ovation. Oh, yeah. And this was, this was one of the first like, holy shit moments for this pay-per-view uh seeing awesome con come out it was a tremendous surprise it was very well received by the live crowd and she did have a a superstar reaction i don't know if they have if this was just a one-off uh i don't i don't know if they can convince her to be at least a semi-regular for them uh i would love if that was the case i still thought she could go um, I mean, she's she's in glow, so she might actually be trying to to set up kind of like a, an outside wrestling career for herself. And if, for those who have actually seen Glow, she's actually very good in the show. Like she yeah, she has she, is. she has like some legitimate acting talent. Like she was on, I would say, one of the best episodes of Glow, the one that focused upon her uh, as being just being a mother to a college age son. Like that was a tremendous episode, and it, she her acting. Uh, in that episode was great. So I don't know if she's going to be a regular. I wish that she would, even if they work out some sort of deal where she maybe comes in and does like, you know, like a, a brief, maybe the big shows. Yeah. Or like if she wants to do like a, a small feed with someone, then, uh, kind of disappear for a bit and come back. Like I, it's all, I think value added. Like she was great. Yeah. So, uh, J- I think JR said when she came out, she's like, well, I guess Nyla Rose is a cruiserweight now. <laughs> That's a great line. So what what was interesting about this match is the way I saw it, a lot of it was Britt Baker and Kylie Ray trying to um, crowd control the bigger girls out and then, like, mad dashing, trying to put each other away before they could recover. Yeah. Because, like, the, 
there were parts with like Britt Baker and kind of Kylie Ray doing like this almost chain wrestling, like high pace, like super intense, like back and forth stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I will say the one thing I didn't like about this match is I thought Nyla Rose sucked and really drug this down. Like she seemed like she was really out of her depth with the other women. Okay. I think she's a little greener than the other ones. She's not as polished. Um, uh, I didn't think she was terrible, but it, it did seem like she was a little out of place compared with the other two. She was very Bush League compared to the other. Yeah, I think that's kind of, I was trying to kind of diplomatically <laughs> say that she's a little green. Um, I do I think know. Awesome I... Kong had the best part of the match, though, is where she power bombed everyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I think Nyla is is a unique person because again, I think they need to, they need to build characters. Um, she's unique. And I think I'd like to see her improve before. I'm gonna I think they need to, I, don't I, judgment. Think, I think, I think they need to get her booked on like a bunch of indie shows between now and TV and really get her repetition. Yeah. She maybe maybe she just needs like more polish and experience. Uh, I'm a little partial to Nyla Rose just because she is a uh, DC native, so uh, I like I like that she rep- represents the district. This was my first. Um, this was my first real exposure to Kylie Ray, and I thought she was like fucking outstanding. Yeah, I thought her and Britt Baker were both great. I mean, Awesome Kong is kind of like a known a quantity. I didn't expect to see an Awesome Kong match, but I got to see it live, and I was very excited. But those other two did a fantastic job, I thought, as well. I have yeah. to admit, um, I didn't even know Awesome Kong was still working. I thought she'd hung it up. And so that means that this was a huge get, in my opinion. I think she, I think she does, like, the off show here and there. Okay. Yeah. And she's. I think she's in her early 40s now, so I don't know how regular she would be. This is her first match in almost two years, so... Oh, the um, I, I remember watching a shoot interview with her. She talked about she was working in Japan and it was beating her to death. And she came over to the States and started working here. And she's like, this is so easy. I could do this until I'm 80. <laughs> she has one of my favorite um, Dragon Gate matches of all time. Oh, yeah. So she wrestled. There's this this kind of like jobber esque character called Stalker Ichikawa. OK. And so pretty much. Pretty much he sucks. Like, they'll do matches and the, they would bring, like, legends in and, uh, you know, he'd chop him in the corner and his hand would start hurting or he'd get tired. Okay. So, they pretty much, he pretty much does a match with her, like, as an incoming legend. So, he, um, he chops her a couple times. She no-sells. He chops her again. He no-sells. He has enough. He feels her up. She runs him over with, like, a clothesline and, like, pins him. And this is, like, a 20-second match. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, yeah. I've I've always been a an awesome Kong since the first time I saw Kong work a match. I've been a fan of hers, and she, it's been really it's it's really cool to hear she showed back up. It's it's amazing as long as she's been around that she's never lost her aura of just being like a monster. Yeah. Because like especially like when you see her like uh, like especially that match you, you were just like oh like. Shit is about to like get real. Yeah. Here, here she comes. This is gonna suck for you. And um, yeah, and and 
I don't know. I, I get she's just got. She has it. Uh, yeah, I was trying. Does. I was trying to to drill it down specifically. It's it's in her stare. I think there are. Like there are some people where they kind of have the aura just walking around, but when she does the stare, there is no question that somebody is getting jacked up. And if it's Bubba the Love Sponge, even better. That's why that's why she is one of my favorites, is because she beat the shit out of Bubba the Love Sponge. There we go. There we go. <clears throat> awesome Kong's favorite podcast right here, folks. So, Matt, what did you think of this match, like, like kind of as a whole? Uh, I liked it. Um, I thought it was a... It, I mean... There, there have been really great women's matches in the last year, um, but I thought for what they were trying to do and establish their women's division, I thought this was a pretty good showcase, and I loved including Awesome Con as kind of like a big attraction for them. Yeah, so uh, high points, I would give it to this match, yeah. Yeah. So up next, uh, this is actually the next match is one of my sleeper really great matches on the card. The best friends uh, defeated Angelico and Jack Evans. I'll be honest, like I took a bathroom slash food break during this match, and uh, I will say this about the arena: they actually had uh, they had monitors above the food stations where you could actually mm-hmm. watch the action. Um, so I did get to see some of it, but I didn't get to see like the entirety of the match. So I can't I can't comment on the match as a whole for what I did see, it seemed like really acrobatic, at least on the part of Angelico and Jack Evans, which it's is crazy to think. It's crazy to think Jack Evans has been doing this almost 20 years and he can still do this stuff. Yeah. You know what? This was one thing about this show though. There was very little fluff. So it was really hard if you had to go to the bathroom to pick your spot. Like there were a couple times like where there would be a pinfall and I'd almost like rush to the bathroom because there weren't like a lot of video packages or anything. Yeah, that's true. Like I, there was a couple times where it's like I had to run to the bathroom or what have you. And it was like, uh, I, I better do it now. And like literally run like dart, uh, <laughs> to the bathroom. Thankfully it wasn't, I weren't, I wasn't that far away. So, right. uh, for what I did see of this match, it was, it was really good. I actually, I agree with your, uh, kind of assessment that it's like a sleeper i think it's a sleeper in a couple different ways i mean it could have been like a tremendous match but i think it's a sleeper in that i think jack evans and and helico could really be like a big deal for them i mean obviously like chuck taylor and trent are really good and they can actually definitely push them as main stars of the promotion but i honestly feel like and Helico and Jack Evans, it's again, I keep, I kept going back to like, I, and I, maybe it's unfair to compare them to WCW, but I think that's like the reference I was trying to do. Cause if you want to be like a legit second promotion, mm-hmm. uh, yes, WCW made mistakes. WCW eventually had to fold, but they did do a lot of things right at some point. And one of the things they did do right was again, they had like some really unique wrestlers and characters um, on their show. And it it kind of set them apart and made them like a big deal, and I think Angelico and Jack Evans uh, could be.
be kind of those sleeper guys for them. They're really talented. I think if they want to push them as a tag team or give them some sort of like, uh, I don't know if they're going to do like a cruiserweight division, but push me in that direction. Like it could definitely work. Yeah. Now this, this, um, the aftermath of this match had what I think is the only like kind of egg they laid on the show, which was the super smash brothers ran in with like a bunch of guys in matches and beat everyone up. Well, the lights went out and then the smash brothers appeared and like beat them down and the crowd was chanting, who are you? So, eh, and then the commentary didn't do a good job either. So this kind of, I thought this kind of bombed, but eh, if that's the worst thing that happens on this show, I think they did pretty well. From what I hear, if this being the low point is not going to, you know, sink the show. No, but I mean, I think it was just a mistake you make the first time out sort of thing. Yeah, maybe. So Uh. next we have, we have, uh, I think this was my second favorite match of the show. Um, Really? Yeah, Yeah. I I like this match a lot. So Hikarashido, Ryo, and Ryu Mizunami defeated... Aja Kong, Emi Sakura, and Yuka Sakazaki. And um, I will say this on commentary, JR was popping hard for Aja Kong the whole match. Uh, as he should, because Aja Kong is awesome. I will say, like, I was a little worried because she wasn't, um, she was not walking so great into the ring, but when it was her turn to do stuff, she could kill people just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say that uh, Awesome Kong, not Aja Kong, but Awesome Kong got a bigger reaction, I think, obviously, because uh, she she more recently was a big star. And, and obviously, people, if you're a hardcore like wrestling fan, and especially if you're a Japanese fan, you probably know who Aja Kong is, but... Uh, awesome Kong was both kind of bigger in the United States uh, and more recent, but Aja Kong did get a good reaction. I mean, she's a living legend. I mean, I, I would think yeah, she is. She was actually at yeah. Starcast. I saw her, and uh, I didn't. I wasn't really doing meet and greets or getting people's autograph, but that would have been a cool one to get a photo with her. I mean, she's like she in Japan. She is such a legend that even like Minoru Suzuki like shows her deference like on screen. Wow. I will say this: I saw at at Starcast. I I'm pretty sure I saw, and now in retrospect, I can say this: I saw at least I think Riho Abe, uh, <laughs> and she was just like running around, um, and I think she was asking to like meet up with someone uh but i didn't really like realize who it was because it, it to me it just seemed like a, a cute little like asian girl running around and i'm like oh, okay i don't know what that's about but <laughs> i in retrospect i believe it was riho abe so <laughs> so the way this came across on tv is the crowd was a little quiet at first because they didn't know any of them and then the mm-hmm. crowd was like super into it by the end of it because this pretty much was bodies flying everywhere and like super like quick action packed like tagging. Yeah, it was a great match live. It was I did, fun. My favorite part was the end though where Aja Kong and Hikarashida had their 
their battle with the trash can and the kendo stick. Yeah. I don't know if they're if uh, AEW is gonna sign, try and sign some of them. I know they just signed Hikurushida. She was really good. I don't know. I, she really stood out as like being great. This is the first time I've ever saw her wrestle. Um, I guess she's done. Has she done ice ribbon before? She's done. I think she's done a lot of. Let me look. She's done a lot of promotions, but go ahead. Like uh, yeah, I'll, so I'll tell you. looks like she was uh, she was with Oz Academy too, uh, back in the day. I think she, she freelances a lot now. Well, that's like that's like a lot of Joshi workers, right? I mean, they usually. I uh, yeah, Sendai. Yeah, she's freelance a lot because I see Sendai girls on here. I see um, Oz Academy. Uh, what's this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ice Ribbon. So I, I mean, see stardom though. Oh, I, re- Rave. I really Rave. hadn't seen a lot of her stuff before, but from what I did see, she was very good. Um, I was pretty impressed with someone, someone who I'd never seen before wrestle. I thought she had a lot of like star presence. Um, and she had good size to her too. It seemed like that, although I think in real life she's not that big. She's a uh, hundred and thirty-two pounds. This says and um, five five. So I'd say she's about above average. Uh, probably not in height. Maybe slightly above average in weight. But I mean, she's uh, she's in good shape. Yeah. I mean, they what, they're they're smart hiring her. I mean, not that they're trying to. I think try try and draw any parallels with like Asuka or Kyrie Sane or Io Shirai. That, I, I don't think that AEW is trying to get their own like Asian wrestler. No, but, I, but the, the, Kenny's worked with a lot of these people though, so I think I think that's why they're going to get hired. Oh yeah, and he apparently was kind of taking them around uh, over Vegas weekend. He I think he was like not their handler, but I think he was kind of like showing them around. Uh, Hikaru Shida is a good choice, not just because. Uh, well, not, I will preface this by saying not that this should matter, but. It obviously does matter because wrestling is in part a very visual uh, kind of medium. Uh, she's a good choice because she not, she's not only appears to be a good worker, but she's a very attractive young woman. So I think that's something that they can market uh, going forward because that doesn't hurt in the wrestling business. You, you know what I thought was a brilliant part of this match was um, how when... Um, when Aja Kong would come in, the other team would try and get Rio in, mm-hmm. the bigger their biggest member, to try and like counteract Kong, and then they'd kind of go at it. I thought that was really um, a really like smart strategy. Yeah. But like I said, I think I thought this was this was probably my second favorite match. I don't know if it was the second best match. It was my second favorite match just because I thought it was a really well executed tag. Uh, I want to bring up just one thing uh, that I think you pointed out to me, but uh, Riho was so Riho has a long history with Kenny Omega. Yep, yep, she does. She's currently only twenty-one years old, um, but I think she got her start in the business when she was like twelve, or was she younger? I think she was even no, younger. She was nine. This is, <laughs> oh, Rio man. is Rio is the nine-year-old that Kenny Omega famously wrestled. Yeah. So yeah, there is that. She was really good too. Like, cause she she was the um, 
She was kind of like the genie-like girl, wasn't she? Yeah. She had like a genie outfit on. She was really good. Like some of her high-flying stuff. Yeah. But this is this is what I want to talk about, though, with um, Joshi, if people watch this match. Mm-hmm. Just, like, the difference between, like, the way they work and, like, a lot of, like, um, the American women have been for so long. It is just night and day. Like, the way they work. True. I Like I said, it was great, though. I'm so jealous you got to see Aja Kong, though. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of bucket lists that I hit. There, I checked off a bunch of stuff. I mean, seeing a, a SEMA match, seeing Awesome Kong, watching Aja Kong, like, that was pretty amazing. Yep. So now we are going to get into... Um, personally, the next match is my match of the year. I don't care what anyone says. I give it five stars. Cody defeats Dustin Rhodes in just I don't even know what to say about this match because it was just so fucking amazing. It was an absolutely tremendous match. And I agree like my obviously like watching it live you get more of the the emotion, you feel the energy of the crowd. Uh, I kind of I would I want to see it I want to see it on video and I want to hear the commentary. But you see it to see Brandy Rhodes um, spear Dustin because like she she nailed him good. She has yeah. uh, she has a better spear than some people. Um, Hedge. Hedge. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't like the you didn't like the, and, you didn't like the hug of doom. No, I don't. It's, it, and and Shad, she did it with um, high heels too. So you got to give her bonus points for getting such a good uh, shot in and high heels. Uh, to quote Bob Kelso, she's got girl balls. But I, I rewatched this today for the second time. It holds up on second viewing. But there are points where Cody is just drenched in Dustin's blood. Oh, yeah. It, he was covered in it, like everywhere. His hair, his body, his tights. Um, I I agree with your assessment. To me, this is a five-star match. Um, I don't see watching it again. With the commentary, I don't see that really changing. Um, no, but like they, they, with the ending angle, they actually got JR choked up. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh I mean, I was getting a little dusty. That, for not to make a pun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was getting a little dusty in the room. Uh, when, because okay. it, it, I mean, it, it worked great as like a callback because, uh, this was not necessarily the best of feuds, but if you remember like mid nineties, uh, WCW, it was Dustin and dusty and of all people, the nasty boys doing war games, 94 against, uh, WCW's version of the stud stable, which was like Arn Anderson, uh, Buck, Bunkhouse Buck. Yeah. Yes. Buck. Um, Terry Funk, I believe. No, it was, was probably Dick Dick Slater. I feel Terry Funk was there at that, this point. If it, the problem is, is Dick Slater is like um, a blatant, like especially in that ninety four, ninety five thing, he looks a lot like Terry Funk. Nope, I'm just, I just looked it up. It's Terry Funk. Okay, okay. Yeah, and Colonel Robert Parker. Oh, they did have Ming as like uh, Colonel Robert Parker, uh, but there was that infamous uh, when Dusty was like coming out of retirement to be in the match. Yeah, uh, okay. he's like 
telling Dustin he's going to be in the match. And he's like, I just need a hug and a kiss to seal the deal, baby. And he like, it's a big emotional moment. This kind of like harkened back to that. Mm-hmm. But it was super emotional because like, uh, I mean, Cody wins and then he's like leaving and then Dustin's just staying in the ring and everyone's giving him a reaction because it was absolutely tremendous performance. And again, I we had talked last week about I, I said that this could probably be like the sleeper. I didn't wildly expect it to be like the blow away match. Oh, yeah. But it was. It clearly was. And I was. I knew. I suspected he could probably still go. But Dustin Rhodes, at like 50 years old, with two like repaired knees, like to put on the performance that he did. And he didn't even look like. He looked like he was just like. He hadn't lost a step. Like, no. he looked spry and... He didn't look slowed down at all. And I, re- I don't know what they're going to do with him. But honestly, in, in my opinion, like, he has a lot left in the tank. You could clearly have him play the veteran role, but he's shown me he can have compelling matches still mm-hmm. with people. But this, this, this did tell me one thing, though. The one thing I took away from this match is that one of those Gargano Champa matches need to needed to be a bloodbath like this. It I know WWE helped. would never did it, but man, there like because if you watch like online comments, like there were so many comments just like, oh my god, like so much blood because it was. I mean, he he was. Yeah. I don't know if you could tell like where you sat, but he was gushing. Like I, I couldn't quite tell that he was gushing, but there you could clearly see that it was like a really high volume of blood. Uh, I was talking to you guys before we went live for the podcast and uh, I was sitting with uh, the dames, uh, one of our good buddies, uh, infamous uh, in the extreme warfare revenge world for me. Yeah, I know, right? The premier reviewer, the dames. Yeah. Well, the, and uh, he also, he's also known as, um, in the very early days, like I think, like the first year of um, TNA, he was probably their most noted like recapper, like to the point where I think even Tanae gave him a shout out on air. Really? Wow. Yeah. And he's unfuckwithable. Always remember that when speaking about <laughs> the games. Uh, I can remember next... where I'd heard that term from. Yeah, Dame. In real life, Damien and I are like really close friends. Like I, he was at my wedding. Like I love the guy. Uh, we were sitting there together, uh, me and him, and some of the other guys from who, who frequent like the Observer board. Uh, and I, I turned to him and I'm like, "Dude, what, what level on the Muda scale is this?" And he's like, "It's, it's got to be at least like three quarters Muda." <laughs> and that was pretty. I thought that would have been bad. full Muda. No, it was if you, the, it, it was it was full Muda if you watch it on TV because there's there's a couple points where like he's down and like that side of his head is towards the mat and it's just coming out of him like a faucet. Yeah, that's what I thought. Is I looked at that and I was like, that looks like full Muda to me. So yeah, it was. There, there's a couple of visuals from this though that are I think are very memorable, and I don't know if you saw these, Matt, but there's that point like I think towards the end where they start exchanging punches and they're both like down, and like Dustin just like puts his hand on like Cody's back, mm-hmm. like as they're starting to like fight up, yeah, and it was like I think you and Jr. commented like right before they're like on their knees and then they both do like the drop punch to each other. 
Which that end run was like, that end run was insane. Yeah. And I also say this is, this also encapsulates, I think, what is amazing about Dustin Rhodes is his hope spots and comebacks in this were just amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's is. also... Go ahead. Sorry. It's also... It blew me away that they turned a smart crowd into a bunch of marks. Oh, oh, they, they did. They did. I was right there. Like, they were... I was eating out of their palm. You gotta love it. When, when they're so good, they can do... They can turn a crowd like that. Yeah. And uh, that's tough to do, but... There's no question these guys did it. And, and it is really a tale of two matches because it is a good match pre-blood, but man, post-blood, it just goes to like a whole new level. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I was trying to think of like worst ones I've seen like blood-wise, and I really can't. I mean, I guess the Muda one, but I mean, it would be a hard, I'd be hard-pressed to really think of a lot of... One I can think of off the top of my head was this was like I forget when he died maybe two maybe it was like two thousand four but the uh, I think it was was it like the bull rope match or the that uh, Eddie had with JBL oh yeah 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 that one yeah, was pretty bad like Eddie bled a lot yeah that's there was true. a Cena one I think where he was like a bloody mess but I don't remember who he was wrestling. But the, to me, to me, this this match, if you would have put this match like in the Mid South Coliseum in the '80s, like I think it would have been like oh. all over the after mags. Like there would be just picture upon picture in black and white of like a bloody like Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, they may have. They, you may have end up with the building set on fire after that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, and just. Um, so then when he comes back and he does the, and I have to admit, I got a little choked up to the, I don't need a tag partner. I don't even need a friend. Like I need my older brother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's uh. And then they embrace and Cody's just red from all the blood he got on him. That's I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to being able to sit down to watch this. If you watch one thing from this show, you should watch that because, like I said, this is my match of the year. Like, I dare a match to beat this. See, I have to go back and forth because I really think that the Gargano Cole uh, two out of three falls match at NXT Brooklyn, like, I go back and forth between it because I thought that was like a five star match too. And that had a ton of emotion as well. Um, I go between this and Tanahashi Omega. But I think this was a little. Oh, Jesus! Tanahashi Omega is pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a tough call. It's almost like I'd have to watch them all again. But I think I think this is, I think um, I think this made made their promotion though. This is like. Oh, they needed to have they needed to to knock it out of the park with this pay per view. I think they did overall, but this not only did that, but this generated a ton of buzz for how good it was. And I also think this, I think this was also like AEW standing up and saying, we're different from WWE. Like, look at this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think this is where they really pulled that off. 
Yeah. That that definitely I, happened. I mean, even if you don't think it's even if one were to argue it's not the the top match of the year, I this is clearly going on the like people's top ten lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know we're in May, but trust me, like December 2019, when we're wrapping up the year, this will still be on your top 10 list. I highly doubt that there's going to be matches that, like pound for pound with emotion, it's going to be better than this. Like it'll find a spot on the top, that top 10. Can I make a just a general comment? Because uh, I'm seeing some commentary from like the really like smarkiest of smart fans. And look, like we we obviously run a kind of like in the know type of podcast talking about wrestling. Yeah, it, it, this is not just for like the casual fan per se, because we'll throw out names like Orange Cassidy and like yeah, the the average casual fan who just watches WWE doesn't. I'm sorry, WWE. They don't really know who he is, <laughs> but um, like the really really smart of smartest fans. It's like, I, cause some of the people like on the observer board, it's like, I know some people there, they're good people. Other people, it's like, they want to make comments. It's like, Oh, I'm glad to see Cody Rhodes had more than a three star match. Cause that's all he can do. And it's like, just at some point, can you just shut the F off about all of that? Because yeah, this, this is like in, in the last like few months, this is like one of the best matches Cody's has had. Cody had like a five star match with a ton of emotion. If you go back to All In, Cody had, I'd have to, I don't know if I could rate it off the top of my head, because I'd have to watch that match again, but he had a tremendous... I wouldn't give it, I wouldn't give that one a five star, but I hate Nick Aldis, so... Oh, well, I mean, it, it, but it was a great match, and it had a ton of emotion with that one, and yeah. it's like, oh, if, if, if he keeps having good matches with people, and he brings emotion into it, like, eventually, at some point, can you cut the guy a break? Like, yes, he's not Kenny Omega, where he can have a five-star match. Like, it, it, he, Kenny Omega is, like, Ric Flair in his prime. Like, I can have a five-star match with a with a broom handle. Yeah. But, I mean, I think Cody deserves a little bit more, like, respect. I think he's a really good promo. I think his ring work has improved once he's left the WWE system. So, just want to kind of give but- him his props there. I mean, I mean, at some point you have to let it go. Like, I mean, Matt and Shad know there was until last year, I was the biggest Cody hater out there as far as he's overrated. Like people only like him because, you know, there's this like fake, you know, oh, we have to pretend like everyone that leaves the WWE is this like super special guy that they are squandering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what? Like that was true, I think, for like up until the end of like 2017 but you know what like he turned a corner and he proved me wrong and like he's not my favorite wrestler out there and i don't think like you know he doesn't have those tools that like an omega has but you know what the guy the guy has figured out a character and he can do well enough in the ring to back that character up so i mean what more can you want from the guy? Right. Yeah. There's listen. There's a, there's a certain point where everyone's going to have their own bias, right? I can admit that there are some people that I don't like at all that could probably have good matches. I'm just not ever going to like them. But I'm also not going to be so up my own ass that I'm like, oh well, I guess he finally did something good, mm-hmm. right? I, yeah. I recognize Loki's had good matches. I just don't want to watch them. 
Um, we even said that you even said the Joe Glowkey match was good, like begrudgingly. Right, I did, and you know I can admit that, and I know what my bias is. But people are like, "Oh, I guess Cody finally broke the this three star ceiling." Mm, yeah, so well, good for him. Then it's like, dude, get over yourself. I know, I because like I think the difference is though, like what the world. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I think the difference between like something like our show that is like a more smart show is, and even Brian Alvarez was saying this about something recently, like we're still fans. Like I, I watch a lot of stuff and like, you'll see me like watch the weirdest shit, but like, but like Matt, Matt will tell you like today, like he sent me a picture of, um, the first King of Trios team announced. And like, I was buzzing all day about scott steiner jordan grace and pd williams like doing king of trios is like team steiner be awesome like so i mean we're fans because like i mean that's stupid but it's hilarious like them all there and they're in their um chain mail thing like so i came home and i i i watched the steiner math promo and laughed my ass off for a good 10 minutes you know i'm Mm. i'm a fan deep down like let me i let me tell you a, a secret, and this is something that not a lot of either people won't admit it, or they don't. And it's not really even that big of a secret. Everybody in the wrestling business is a mark. But first and foremost, you're going to be a mark for yourself. If you're not, then you're not actually going to be doing it. But here's the other thing. People enjoy watching other people, not just for like, oh, what could I learn? What could I steal? But it's like, you just, you wouldn't be out there doing it if you didn't like it. And we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this stuff if we didn't enjoy it. So there's some people who just are so, so, you know, wound up in in being superior about stuff that, they they lose the forest for the trees. Yeah, and even like even on this podcast, and I'm gonna go behind the scenes a little bit. Like if you've noticed since Mania, we really haven't talked about WWE very much. We did that like as a group because we were like, you know what, this show really sucks. Like, why don't we talk about something we enjoy instead of just let's bashing. let's talk about some stuff that's that we're gonna enjoy for a while, and and we'll we we'll come back to them, but. Let's, you know, we, we felt like we were getting negative a lot. Yeah, and, and we don't want to do that. Like, that's that's why, like, that November to Remember, we were like, we really didn't set out to pick a bad one. It just kind of <laughs> landed on us. It was oddly, um, surprisingly, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, I guess you could, you could say it was entertainingly bad. But uh, in the, I in the I context Halloween of Havoc oh yeah better. oh yeah Halloween ha- Halloween Havoc was awesome yeah so then next up and um I'm pretty sure this was a big surprise for everyone they have their big segment to unveil the AEW World Title Belt and they have a very special guest to unveil it and Bret Hart comes out. And I'm pretty sure everyone in the crowd crapped themselves in astonishment at the same oh, time. Oh yeah, that was a huge like surprise. Another one of one of like the second 
biggest surprises. First was Awesome Kong, and then uh, well, we'll get to it, the biggest surprise of the night. But Bret Hart coming out with a title, like I was just absolutely floored. Um, I was talking to you guys right before the podcast. It, it, it's stunning to me that literally like a month and a half ago, you had Bret Hart giving a Hall of Fame speech with the WWE, and here he is uh, with what's going to be like their competition presenting I, what the world title is going to be. I was joking online that um, this only happened because they buried the guys that saved his life at the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So he comes out, then um, he, he introduces Adam Page, MJF comes out, and um, I'm surprised he didn't get too soon chance when he was like, look out, Brett, there's a fan coming right at you. <laughs> oh, man. And um, he, he takes a couple other shots at Hart. They do some... They do some close-ups of Hart, and you can tell he's trying not to laugh because he seems to be enjoying the um, the poking. So then Paige, um, Paige goes after him, and then Jungle Boy and Jimmy Havoc come out, and they pretty much chase um, MJF into the crowd and pretty much beat him up. And Bret Hart pulls the belt out, and uh, it's a pretty cool belt, actually. It's kind of... I thought immediately that it looked like a mix between the IWGP belt and a UFC title belt. Mm -hmm. I like it because it looks like a title belt that people would fight over. I didn't care for the like slate gray AEW right in the middle of the front plate. That was UFC-ish, though. It's better than the Universal and the WWE belts and the... Well, the, uh, I was gonna say, the WWE belt kind of has like a unique charm to it. I'm not gonna say it's great, but I'm not gonna say it's it, you know, it's it's not bad. I would like the AEW belt more, like if that was maybe white or chrome instead of that dark gray. It it, it seems out of place to me. Uh, I think that's a valid criticism, um, but I do overall really like the design. I like the way they did the side plates. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks big. Like, I like a big championship belt. Yeah, yeah, that is. Like, it, it, my favorite belt of all time is the big gold belt. Because it, it that looks... It's big. It looks like a big deal, right? And... Uh, uh, I, I mean, I'm with you. The, the big gold belt is my favorite belt of all time. Uh, it's my second favorite. The one I like better. It's not the current IWGP belt, but one of the previous ones. They they had like all of the previous champion names on like the side plates. Oh, and it's the one that it's the one that Lesnar had, and then it was gone for a while, and then came like back. That's a lot of space. Wow. Um, it, it's. I like the I like the big gold belt because it it looks like a great big title belt. It it looks important. If you just walked in a room and laid out a bunch of title belts, it would draw your eye because it looks important. And it looks old. Like it looks like it's been hanging around for like fifty or sixty years, even though it hadn't. Yeah, I like for example, I never liked the NWA Half Dome belt. Uh, the one from the mid eighties. 
it, the one that TNA, the one that TNA had in the they, early they days. They did, but didn't Harley Race carry that one around too? Yes. Yes. I never really cared for that one. It just it I like that it, one. it looked like there was a baseball halfway lodged into it. And <laughs> that just didn't work for me, but the AEW belt reminds me in a lot of ways of if you took a big gold belt and what I remember of the IWGP belt and kind of mixed them together, but then you drop some gray paint in the middle and you're like, well, I got to do something with this. And so you like work it out into the logo. Um, it, it also looks a lot like um, the North American championship from Mid-South. Okay. I'd need to go look that one up. Yeah. But overall, I liked it. I thought this segment was pretty good. Like, it goes further to what Matt and I were saying with, um, they did a really good job of taking guys and saying, you need to pay attention to these guys. Mm-hmm. So then up next, we get, um, for the, how are they saying that? Like, with, how are they saying the AAA thing, Matt? Could, do you remember? I don't know what you mean. Like they they would how they said the name of the promotion. Ah, did they say it in Spanish? No, they, it was like trip. Like I don't remember. I, I'd have to look it up. So anyway, the Young Bucks beat the Lucha Brothers. Um, I really need to rewatch this. I know it was a good match. Um, but I was really spent after the Cody Dustin match. Mm-hmm. And so I. I didn't give this one the attention that it deserved. I did laugh at um, Pentagon Jr. doing the glove thing to start the match. You had to know anybody who was going to be following Cody Dustin was going to be in a really hard spot. So I got to give these guys props for because, you know, they could have been like, no, no, no. We'll go first, then have Cody and Dustin go. I've got to give them props for being like, no, 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 we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. So anyway, Shad, like to give you an idea of how this starts, like Pentagon Jr. like kind of outstretches his arm and like very dramatically like takes the glove off of one hand. Okay. And then he goes for the other one. And then I think it was, was it Nick or Matt? Do you remember? I don't. Pretty much he goes to do on the other hand. And then the, the buck that was in the ring, like pretty much grabs his arm to make him stop doing it. Okay. And it was, it was just a hilarious start to the match. Okay. Yeah, from what I know of the Bucks, which I know less about than you guys do, but it seems like they are they have no compunctions about doing goofy stuff for for reactions. They don't, but they're also super talented. Yeah. And I uh, this may shock you guys, but the Lucha Brothers in particular Pentagon are wildly over <laughs> this crowd. Um and again, like I I, I think I don't think that they've I don't know if they've signed a deal. I think it's been wildly, re- widely reported they're, that they're going to. They are on the roster page, so I'm assuming they have some sort of deal. Okay. Yeah, I think that they could be huge, huge stars. Not just as like mid card acts. Like clearly, like they're in the upper portion of the card here. They could be huge, just in general for the promotion. And especially, because, especially Pentagon, like Pentagon could be a legit main eventer and has been with like with impact and other places. He has a huge personality, like for <laughs> a guy that doesn't like talk or anything like he just. Yeah. 
He does. Like, he just exudes personality. And he does. And again, he, he wears a mask, so you got to work extra hard to actually convey that emotion. But he does it mm-hmm. exceptionally well. And I said it on the podcast before, like, if it comes down to, like, they need to be cutting promos, both of these guys speak very good English. So that's not an issue. Like, Pentagon can go out there and he can cut a damn good promo because I've heard him do it in English. Like, there's. I need there's, to get it. I need to look at. I need to get a Pentagon shirt one of these days. Yeah. There's no reason why they they couldn't be like huge stars for AEW. Pentagon especially. Like it, it and he's got a good look like you remember him once you see him. He's got a super cool look. That's partly why he got so over with Lucha Underground cuz he was unique. Plus he's super talented. I mean, and that's the other part yeah. of the equation. But there's um there's there's some promotion in Poughkeepsie, Poughkeepsie, New York that I'm thinking about driving to because I think they have John Moxley versus Pentagon advertised. That's gonna be oh, awesome do match. they? And I think they have. Um, I think they have. I I think it's gonna happen, and if it does, like I'm gonna be so jealous. But there might be a Dustin Rhodes versus La Parka match on there. Oh wow! Yeah, I I have to see that and. And they announced it for New Japan. I'm so excited. They're doing John Moxley versus Juice Robinson. Yeah, I want to talk about Moxley with New Japan. I don't know if you want to talk about that right now or a little bit later. Uh, let's do it a little later. Okay. Um, okay, so this is pretty much uh, let's do a lot of crazy shit and murder each other until the Young Bucks win in mm-hmm. a really uh, fun fashion. Yeah, this was uh, almost the longest match on the card, but it did not feel long. It was high energy the entire time. I actually was a little surprised. I actually thought they had, that the Lucha Brothers would go over here, but it wasn't the case. Yeah, I kind of thought so too. But I, I think it makes sense uh, with the main event that mm-hmm. they didn't go over. Yeah. But I was expecting them to go over, but I was thinking the main event was going to go in a different direction. Yeah. Okay. So let's hit the main event then since uh, – since we're talking about it, I was shocked that Chris Jericho defeated Kenny Omega on this one. I was kind of surprised too. Uh, I think though, I think it makes sense now that I've thought about it because yes. Chris Jericho is their initial world champion makes sense. Yes, it does make a lot of sense. He, he obviously has all of the hype from being a former WCW star from being a multi-time WWE champion um, he's in many ways like the biggest star or, or like name star if you're looking for like casual fans they have on the roster because he does have that exposure and that experience and the history. He's, he's got the crossover of pretty much everybody. Yeah. So uh, it's really interesting because there are people now theorizing whether or not he's actually going to beat Okada. For the IWGP Championship, I don't quite see that, but that would be—I actually would feel that'd be really compelling. Yeah. If you had him be like a, a dual champion, but I don't know. Um, it—I I think it does make sense. I thought the match was really good. Some people like weren't as uh, hyped about this match. It—it it wasn't as good as their dome show, but it was also affected because. This was a bit of a different Chris Jericho than the WWE, but it was not New Japan Chris Jericho. Like, he's in a kind of, like, he split the difference. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, uh, yeah, he's he's kind of working like the veteran main eventer type of thing, where he's not, but he he isn't working quite the crazy brawler Jericho that we've been seeing in New Japan. Um, he did do the camera spot, which I love. Yeah, uh, I thought this was a great match. Like, I, I think you're right; it, it isn't quite as good as their dome match, but I thought it was a perfectly great main event. Um, the one one criticism I would give is that if you if you watch kind of the promo videos building up to this match, you kind of got it. Um, but I don't think they've really established the Judas effect finisher that much. No, I was, I, cause I knew about it, but I, when it happened, I was like, Oh, that's his new finisher. Okay. That's a little, yeah. And I think vis- visually it's it, when he just does it, it, it's not as like striking or at least it doesn't, there's not enough flair that you think, Oh, this is going to be the finish. Yeah. Uh, for those for those who don't know, sorry to interrupt you, Brad. For those who don't know, oh, Jericho's. Um, I guess the, the, at least in the promo videos, it looks like he's been doing uh, martial arts training uh, or mixed martial arts training, and he has debuted a new finisher, which is basically a spinning uh, back elbow, back fist. Yeah. Well, not a back fist, but a spinning elbow strike. Uh, which he's calling the Judas effect, um, which I think in concept, I, I actually I don't have any issue with a striking maneuver as a finisher. Um, I just feel like, again, like visually, it, you don't you don't necessarily get the hype. I don't know what he could add to kind of signal it. See, I'm I I'm watching the would get it. Maybe. I'm watching the video right now, the hype video for it with the volume turned off. This spinning back elbow is a great transition spot, but that's. That's not a finish. I'm sorry. That's. Uh, I, I, we'll see what they do with it. Um, I'm I'm never gonna buy, never gonna buy that one. So, that's that's one that yeah. It the one thing that cracked me up though, especially after um, doing the Heat Wave pay per view a couple weeks ago and the table that like derailed a Sabu match, is. Man, they beat the crap out of that table, and they it it took it all. Yeah, they it was very. Someone made a, that comment that it was kind of like a a New Japan <laughs> type of table because it. Well, it even Jr. Even J- punishment. Yeah, even Jr. said something about it. But they were doing something, and Excalibur was like, "Kenny Omega is the table," or something like that. <laughs> We needed uh, the laugh effect from the Botchamania videos. And then, so Jericho wins, which I think shocked everyone. Even the crowd kind of, I think, had that, like, shocked gasp that he won. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise. And then uh, Jericho, Jericho actually cut, like, a really great promo, which was kind of original, which was, like, this is this is a promotion for him. Like, he doesn't care about the fans, like... He wants a personal thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And then um, the crowd starts going ape shit, and Jericho kind of like starts soaking it in. And it's not because of Jericho; it's because John Moxley's come down through the stands. Yeah, and I need to watch the video of that because if they cut to him right away, you might actually see me because he came down our aisle, and he was like five feet away from me because I was sitting almost at the end. I was like the next to the row. And I saw a video 
from someone that um was in the front row that shot it and you can actually see him come out of like the out of like the tunnel and start coming down and i was shocked he got quite a bit he got quite a ways down before people realized what was going on. Well, I didn't notice it until obviously he was like in my line of sight, but I literally look over and I see him walking down. And I, I mean, again, like we talked before about how like they turned the crowd into marks. They got me because I literally was like, whole, I shouted, holy shit. Well, I rewatched it. And the funny thing on TV is you just see people in the crowd like pointing like everyone just starts like pointing like holy shit like look what's like walking through the crowd yeah that's and, yeah and so um so he comes out and he gets in the ring and i think it's a really great touch where jericho drops the mic and he's like what are you doing here yeah and um so what was interesting about this is um it wasn't like Dean Ambrose at all. This was like John Moxley. Like it was a different person. Yeah. Like you could see like the different level of engagement with what he was doing. The way what he was conveying, like Dean Ambrose always had a little bit of a touch of mischievousness, I guess. Um, they always just a little touch of, you know, like, hey, remember, I'm kind of wacky. But this John Moxley is staying there, and it, you you look at him, you're like, the way he's standing there and kind of facing Jericho, you're like, don't make any sudden moves. And, and the way he like tilts his head, like side eyes Jericho, is just like, just such like a great posture. Yeah. Well, it, the the head tilt has always seemed to me, if it's done right. Um, has always seemed to me to be kind of a um, a very good way of conveying that something is very wrong with the person. You know, Michael Myers did it, and um, Kane did it, and that, and you get Moxley. He doesn't just like stand there and tilt his head. His whole body kind of moves into it. There's a very serpentine motion in how he was doing it. Like his shoulders kind of tilt, and his head tilts, and the way it was he moves. very much a. Uh, a wild animal about to strike. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like, don't make any sudden moves. We don't. We don't want that. You know, we don't want to set him off early. Um, and and we get to the end of this. And okay, I I haven't seen it. I will this week. But for a new promotion, getting getting up and going, and. To go out there and do something from the beginning, from the get-go, to make a statement. <laughs> and being realistic here, because there are some things you'd be like, oh, you know, you come back and have Steve Austin work a match. Well, Steve's not working anymore matches. You're not going to land The Rock, right? Let's be realistic. I would have a hard time coming up with a better way of doing this than what they did. I'm not sure I could come up with with making a better show with what's available out there than what these guys did. And when your low point is, well, that was all right. That's some really high praise. Yeah, I thought they they hit it out of the park with this. And the Moxley debut at the end was like perfect. It was 
it was like so hot it was like it seemed fresh it seemed exciting i mean literally with it as a side note just yeah it, the best thing he could have done was leave the wwe he has instantly become the most interesting and compelling worker yeah almost overnight and he he looked i mean i don't even know how to to he looked like a he looked like he looked like 10 times the star he ever looked in wwe oh yeah like you were looking at this like you almost like look back and be like wow you had this guy and you couldn't like figure this out yeah and I think to I I mean who knows what his real motivation is? You'd have to really have to go inside the the head of John Moxley. But it this is what it seems like his motivation is because he obviously if he was just doing this for money, I'm sure he would have gotten more money overall working for the WWE. Like he did this because he wanted to go do something interesting and compelling, and I'm sure he's going to be making good money through AEW and other other like bookings he gets, but. He, I think he wants this. I think he wants to go and do something that he's excited about and do something fresh and do something different, different and like interesting and, and have creative freedom. Yeah, I yeah. that I think is is like the biggest piece to it is he wants to be able to go and do stuff that he has input involving and things like that. And I think you're so right. Like this, it, this instantly made him into like a bigger star. Like I, I, I liked, uh, moxley or dean ambrose whichever one you want to call him i liked him and i was interesting to see what he was going to do mm-hmm. after now that he had left the wwe but with this even i even i like even suspected like yeah i imagine he'd wind up with aew but the way they did this and what it could possibly lead to like i'm super excited like i'm all in like i'm fully invested yeah i um so the only thing that would have made his debut better is if he would have mouthed to Jericho, this is for Mitch, and then DDT'd him. <laughs> but um, I said this during the show, uh, and I still mean it, and I still feel that way. It feel like I was always more of a WCW fan than a WWE fan. Like, of course, the end got really bad and they lost me, but up until that, like, WCW's always felt like home. Yeah. And nothing has ever, nothing has ever come close to like recapturing that for me. And watching this show, it was like, it felt like it felt like I found a home. Like it felt like home again. Like it had, it had a vibe I liked. It had the variety. Like it had the attitude. Like I was watching this. And I'm just like, this is like this promotion was made for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it felt like that live, but the presentation, like, on TV, I was like, I was like, they, they figured out what I wanted. (laughs) Yeah, again, I I want, it's kind of early to say, (laughs) obviously the goal is to bring in kind of casual fans that have been slowly bleeding away from the WWE over time, Mm -hmm. but I think they're doing all the rights they're taking all the right steps to get to that point and they're just making people who are really into wrestling who love wrestling who've been fans like they're giving them something to be excited about and i think you're right it's like this is like coming home like to me i kept bringing up wcw because it reminded me of wcw not in like a bad way or even that this was like like wcw i think it was 
it was like that in certain ways because it's like, oh, I, I can see where they could go with this. I could see them right. using Joshi workers as like undercard guys, or, well, guys, girls, that could really get people popped over. I see like several different unique personalities that could get over like WCW had. Um, I, I just see like what they could do. I see all the potential here. And I think if they can realize it, mm-hmm. I think that they are in a great position. Were you going to say, it really, Chad? It Brad? really felt like they, um, it really felt like they took that Southern style and they've modified it and modernized it a bit. But it, that's why I think it felt like WCW to me because they, they took that like mentality and they've, they've kind of twisted it to their own vision of it, but it still has that, that same heart to it. It, what am I looking for on this? I'm tr- I'm trying to come up with a good analogy, and I'm not I'm not going to have a perfect one, but I'm going to give you the uh, I'm going to give you the best one that I can come up with on the spur of the moment. It sounds like it's like getting a you had a pair of shoes that you love, and you go out and you buy the same ones, and you're just starting to break them in. And it's not exactly the same, but it's close enough. It feels familiar. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, actually. Wait, wait. No, I got a better one. You go off to college, and you've been gone for a while, and you come home, and you lay down in your old bed. And it's not the same, but it's very comfortable and very familiar. I would say it's... I would compare it to, like... um actually it felt like if you pick up um if you pick up like a calvin and Hobbes book as an adult okay and it has that same like it is like your old friends like coming back but like it's different because you're different and like so there's different aspects of it you appreciate because you have that different like life experience Mm -hmm. but it's still that thing you love and that same heart's there but like it's slightly different because you're different yeah it's there it sounds like you guys are basically describing there's an air of familiarity and then but there's enough to make it different that it's not a retread exactly and and it helps like that like a lot of those startups are like even tna like they had those guys but they were like a minority they they had their own distinct like crew of people. Yeah. And now I'll say Shad saw this on TV, but that building looked outstanding on TV. It looked like they had like, I mean, I know they had 12,000 there, but it looked like they had like 20,000 there on TV. The place looked full, which is more than we can say for that Northern company. here yes. Well, I mean, it really was full. Um, yeah. But they also – that's actually – you brought up a good point because just like the way they had set up the stage with – they even had like big – I mean Moxley kind of posed on them at the end. But they had big uh, like fake poker chips as yeah. like a, a set design. The fact that they had like a set design. Right. It just it, – it made them seem like a big promotion. It did not make them seem – nothing about what I saw Saturday night 
made them look bush league or that they were just like a company that was just trying to put on a good face. It looked tight. It looked good. I, that's one thing I forgot to mention that I really liked that I think most that I love when promotions do that. They had the heels and faces coming out of different yes. entrances. Wow, you know, right. I, I, I didn't even notice that live. Um, now that you may, I had forgotten all about that, but I did catch it during the, uh, during the, uh, the battle Royal is that, yeah, there were two different tunnels at the top of the ramp for the heels and faces to come out of. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, and, well, because TNA cause did they, it for a while as yeah. a, uh, but it was on the other, um, it was on the other side, like they were on the other side of the arena from each other, which honestly, that, like, I get what they're going for, but that seems to be more of a hassle than what it's worth. They did it smart though because it came from the same. Well, yeah. see, the thing is, back in the old days, the heels and the faces had different locker rooms. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it's a... Um, it's... it's You know, it's a, it's a gigantic hassle to do it that way. Yeah. But, Matt, think back. Um, think to the Cody-Dustin one. Cody came out on the side that was furthest from you, and Dustin came out of an entrance that was closer to you. Hmm. It was really, it was really subtle, but um, yeah, I thought that was a cool touch. So overall, I give this like, I give this a thumbs up. I spent the fifty dollars on this. Fifty dollars is quite a bit, and I felt like I got more than my money's worth for it. Matt, do you feel that? Uh, um, do you feel like uh, you got your your tickets worth? Oh, absolutely. Hands down. My wife also loved this show. Like, she didn't watch the whole show. She watched about half, but she was like, she, her exact words were, I haven't enjoyed a WWE pay-per-view as much as this in years. Yeah, it, you could tell. It's it's a very, it's, it's hitting on some very different um, different cylinders, you know? And I think, I don't know if it felt like that way live, but it felt like they captured something, like they have something special. No, I would agree like, that, that it absolutely did. It seemed, uh, Meltzer kind of made a comment uh, on Twitter afterwards where it's like, I think he's kind of like thinking, he, he obviously might have inside info, or maybe he was just talking about potential like buy rate numbers, but he was basically saying, folks, you should keep your ticket stubs because this is probably the start of something big. And, and it felt that way. It felt like it was, they did capture something. It wasn't just like, well, decent first showing guys, uh, round of applause. Like you guys did. Okay. Like we'll see where this goes. I mean, we still don't know where it's going to go, but I think again, they put on such a strong showing that I have a lot of hope for them in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is like, they they had a certain threshold, but I think that they had to meet to make a good first impression, and I think they smashed that, and they really like have pushed themselves onto the main stage. Yeah, you had to have they had to have a strong start, and from what you guys are telling me, it sounds like that they're gonna have a 
they're going to have a real strong start out of this. Um, Because that's where TNA always screwed up is whenever they got their chant, like they got a lot of eyeballs, they never delivered right. Yeah. There's, um, like I said, I don't know how I could have booked this show to accomplish the goal better. So, I I don't think there's anything they could have done better, honestly. Uh, not really. Not with not with who they had available. Not with what they were able to do, you know. And and that's really cool that they did such a good job and it made such a big impact. And I think it's interesting that the WWE like came out with a Raw with four matches in three hours, like. <laughs> Is their response to this? Double or nothing was so good it got a name drop on Raw. <laughs> There's a funny story about that. Is um, someone posted the Google um numbers and like they got a gigantic spike as soon as they did that. So they pretty much stupidly gave them free advertising, right? So because you know if someone. Google's AEW, the first thing that's going to pop up is, oh, look, it's Dean Ambrose. Yeah. Like, I'm interested. Now. Hey, I know that guy. I know that yeah. guy. Oh, and he's now... attacking Chris Jericho? Like, I'm going to check this out. Um, oh, yeah. JR's calling it? Yeah. High quality JR. Yeah, there, there's just so much to go right. But it, it, got, it got a lot of interest because, like, someone, it got copyright stricken but there was a good video of him debuting on youtube and it was over a million views before it got nuked yeah. like within a day yeah so uh, uh this is this is exactly why i'm looking forward to um seeing what happens i am looking forward to seeing what aew does because i think that they are there's going to be speed bumps on the way let's just put oh, that there out there is. that's going to happen but they're pointed the right direction and their hearts in the right place. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it happen. I mean, that's the thing like people have to remember is a lot of people are doing this stuff for the first time. There's going to be growing pains and there's going to be hiccups. You're going to have to give them a bit of leeway with production and, uh, maybe some decisions like that aren't great, but I think, I think this show showed that, the, at least booking-wise, that I think you can trust them overall. Yeah, yeah. It's it's this is the um, this is the olive branch that sh that builds that first amount of trust. It's like you know what I, I can get on board from here. Yeah, I agree with that. Hopefully, they can get Kodo Ibushi to do some shows in the future. Uh, Kenny actually had a comment about that. He did, and it was really heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh? So someone asked him why Coda didn't sign, and Kenny said, like, he would have, if I would have asked him, he would have signed in a heartbeat, but I didn't want to stand between him and his dream of winning the IWGP belt. Oh, man. That's a bro. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that will happen at some point. Coda is, he's too talented. He's too... He's too good. Like, I think they will put the IWGP strap on him at some point. Probably in the near-ish future. Next couple of years, but I would guess. I, I think I think within this 
then the next year though, New Japan is gonna dump Ring of Honor and be uh be AEW's partner. I think it's almost like a fait accompli that that will happen because. And I think I think after the way Ring of Honor botched like their parts of the um, MSG show, like I think New Japan's like no, like we're we're good. Yeah, I mean that is something that I took away. From, there are many things to take away from this show, but that is one of them. It's like they with one show came out looking like okay, they want to be a legit second promotion. I can see that. Yeah. And it made Ring of Honor almost look Bush League in comparison. And they are the, did because they're, they're the real losers in all of this because Look, Ring of Honor from their, Yeah, from their beginning, they look like okay, we're getting our feet under us and that's fine. But the problem is it from anything I've seen and I've seen it a scattering of stuff through the years, it never really looked like it got beyond that. The problem now is is they don't have anyone with the vision to navigate like the big time. Okay. They're they're Cause, like, limited by their leadership. Because like um I think it was um I don't want to misattribute this. Do you remember our old buddy from the TSM days loss? Yeah. Yeah. Um I think he might have said it. I, I might be misattributing this on PSO but or PWO. It might not have been him, actually, but someone I'll give it to him for now, but said like um, that when they did the MSG show, like um, New Japan looked like they'd done big buildings before and ROH looked like the virgins showing up with a bunch of sex toys (laughs) for their first time, like um, which I thought was a really apt comparison of how the the two shows for MSG went. That is a hell of a way to phrase it. But yeah, so ROH kind of failed their first time running a big building pretty harshly and uh, AEW did not. It just, it just maybe okay. It, to me, it just seemed like ROH looked like a regional indie that wanted to be big, but just never, like grew into it and they've never put the money into production to look good enough yeah That's yeah well yeah. you mentioned like the entrance ramp for double or nothing it, it was a set no matt mentioned it you both mentioned it you you talk about this and i'm like leaning over looking at my n64 games looking for no mercy and wrestlemania 2000 and stuff like that but the ring of honor set has always just been like it, the Ring of Honor, aside from it be, maybe being on a stage and having a ramp, has looked like the same entryway of, you know, places I worked at and curtains yeah. I walked through. So, you know, it's kind of nice to look at it and go, you know, I, know I, I bet you I know what that feels like. But on the other hand, it's like, that's not really the aim high that I would be wanting. You know? Yeah. You know who I hope... I- I, I hope they can wrangle and get him at some point, but I would love to see ACH in AEW. Hmm. He's he. Uh, I just he's a fun he's a fun one. I would love to see Caprice Coleman like show up at some point too. Just start to wrestle away some of those guys that ROH is wasting. Hmm. How long does Jeff Cobb have? I'd love to see him. 
I mean, I think he's still he. I don't know if he's even wrapping he's up. He's probably got another year and a half. Yeah, at least because he signed. It was a more than a one year contract, and I don't think we even hit a full year yet. No, I think we have. I think he's only six months in. It's Jeff Cobb, I feel would actually almost be perfect for the for AEW. Isn't it amazing though how there's all these guys coming out of one AEW show with all this buzz, but you go to Ring of Honor and like your buzz like dies instantly. Yeah. Like Jeff Cobb, like I know he got he had that great match at MSG, but like he really doesn't get the buzz he used to get because he's in Ring of Honor and no one watches it. Yeah. Uh, sorry to to bust your bubble. I actually uh, thought I had heard this, but I just verified it right now. ACH is, un- uh, I'll say, unfortunately, he's unfortunately signed to NXT. Oh no! Well, I mean, he'll have great matches there. It's just if he ever gets brought up, he'll never be on. Th- yeah, he'll never be on. Th- yeah, if he actually gets brought up, then uh, you'll never see him again because. Well, because that's what they. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I hate with the current WWE is their hoarding of talent. So you have like. And, I mean, I know they're probably getting a better paycheck, but, like, for just in general, like, it sucks that, like, they just have Trevor Lee, like, curtain jerking on NXT house shows when he was having, like, memorable runs in, like, CWF Mid-Atlantic and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm I'm sure ACH will never see the light of day in the WWE. How long has he been there? Uh, he just signed. Oh, that's so. It's been like this year, so he's he's. I think he like just started there. Like maybe like two, three months ago. Oh yeah, I'm looking here. Yeah, I mean they do hoard talent. Like uh, I mean the the match that he had with Pete Dunn was tremendous. And I know his whole thing is that he doesn't really want to live in the United States. But imagine if a guy like imagine a guy like Walter in AEW. Yeah, like he could be Ew, like tremendous. They're, they're they're calling him Albert. They're calling him by his. They're calling him by Albert Hardy Jr. in NXT. Ugh. Ugh. Just call him ACH. Why do they have to fuck everything up? Well, they don't own ACH, so yeah. Even though Ricochet can be Ricochet. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I give this highest uh, the highest thumbs up. I would say um, if you can still get on pay-per-view, it's worth 50 bucks. Well, I'm going to watch it. Uh, right. I'm, I'm and, taking the taking the recommendation. I recommend and, it and everyone you can get this. See yeah. the, and you can watch the Battle Royal on YouTube for free. Just um, Google AEW buy-in. That is their official um that is the official version of it it's on the tnt thing so don't feel like you're pirating it or doing something wrong it is the official version it's free i will uh i I, you know what i'm looking forward to this so much i'm gonna try and get my wife to watch it with me so just uh just if she doesn't like blood don't make her watch cody dustin i told my wife i'm like like you would like it but you can't watch it there's too much blood that's really not I don't I'm really not concerned about that so much I'm more like my wife will not watch beyond the third episode of Firefly Funhouse because she saw still of the mask and she's like nope I'm done and I'm like okay well that's good to know you should have your 
Your wife might like the Joshi stuff, because that might be, like, out of her, um, zone of, like, familiarity. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot, and we'll see see how it goes. But uh, If you get a chance to watch it this week, report back to us next week. Uh, I will let you guys know, and we'll go okay. for it wrong. Anyway. Can I bring up yeah, one last ahead. thing? Um, this is just a small aside, but uh, it, it was announced that Moxley, uh, not that he has a deal with New Japan, but he is going to be doing possibly some dates with them. I guess his contract allows him to do international dates. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be doing a match with Juice Robinson, um, which I think has potential to be really good. Uh, I'm super excited to see him in IWGP. I think that's there's some really compelling matches he could have there. Um I do want to kind of say again, I want to kind of like call out the smarkiest of smarks because I saw a lot of chatter from some people online where it's like, oh, like Moxley is even going to be like good enough for IWGP. And it's like, okay, look, yes, like there are a really a lot of talented New Japan guys. Okada might, in fact, be the best wrestler on the planet. But I mean, IWGP guys are not like gods from Olympus. Like, no. don't don't act as if no one can hold a candle to them. I think I think uh, Moxley will be doing just fine in IWGP if he this is only a one match thing or he has multiple matches. Like I think it's going to be really compelling, and that's what you should be wanting. You should want interesting, compelling matches which have the potential to be really good. So yeah, that's all I'll say. Yeah. So I'm with you. I just want if it's you know what like just. It's just different is good sometimes. Just it's, sit it's back and up. see how it turns out. And sometimes you, you sometimes you have a stinker and then sometimes you have a really you know, you get really surprised and you have a really good match. Yeah, because like Juice Robinson, like I had no use for him until like a year and a half ago and now I think he's like the greatest thing ever. So there you go. Alright. That's that's a lot of double or nothing talk so we want to say thank you guys for joining us here on the four corners podcast we've been in three quarters you're in the fourth please hit us up on social media facebook twitter instagram let us know what you think share your opinions are you excited for all or are you excited for double or nothing or are you going to be like me and you're like now i'm definitely watching this let us know we'd love to hear from you and this is shad with matt and brad saying thank you And we'll see you next time.